I have a six-year-old that's really into learning, learning books, learning apps, learning shows, but I'm really grateful to have found a learning podcast for her. From the creators of the hit kid podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited to a secret order of problem solvers. On an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. My kid really appreciates these. They're only 15 minutes long, and she can stay engaged. She likes the characters. It's perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hello, you sentient balls of stardust. Welcome to Struggle Care. I'm your host, Casey Davis, and today we're going to talk about interior design. I have interior designer Katie Sorrow on the line with me. She actually sent me an email about resonating a lot with the morally neutral aspect of my platform. And I'm so excited, Katie, to talk about interior design being morally neutral because I feel like a lot of what I talk about is sort of like survival skills for people. Like, you know, okay, it's hard to eat. So here's just how you get food in your body. And like, it's hard to clean. So here's how you just get basic functioning. And one of the things that I say a lot is like, you deserve to function. And what really caught my eye about the email you sent me was when you said, you know, you also deserve beauty. Yes. And I, I've read your book and I've listened to the podcast and I'm nodding my head with everything that everybody says, like, yes, this is so great. And then at the end, I think, wait, but what about beauty? Like these people that are struggling, who are underwater, who are trying to make their home functional and safe and life enhancing, um, we're forgetting about beauty and that they also deserve beauty in their home and in their life. And I don't think that the interior design world ever has that message in it. At least I don't see it. Not in social media, not in magazines, not in books. It's always about here are the shoulds. Like you should do this. You should have this. This is the rule for how to create a room. And what I've been trying to do is take your principles and then find what the metaphor is in interior design. And it's been resonating with so many people. Um, and I came up with just saying that your home design is morally neutral. There's no one design that makes a house look put together. There's no one design that says, okay, this is the way your home should look like. So when people come over, they know that you have your crap together because your home looks like this. You know, I saw one, was this a TikTok that you did where you turned your chairs around to look outside, right? <laughs> and maybe you can explain what that was. Yeah, I had, so my bedroom in my new house is pretty large and there's this like bay window on one side and the way the room is sort of structured, it was obvious that that was supposed to be like a seating area. So at first I put, it's like a curved bay window, right? So at first I put the chairs with their backs to the window, like facing in, like it was like a conversation area and it looked really nice. But 
like a few days went by and what I ended up doing was like, I wanted to look out the window and like drink my coffee because I have a really pretty backyard. So I turned one of them around and there was this sense of like, okay, I know they shouldn't really go this way. And then I was like, well, who cares? Like I, I want to be able to like sit here and look out the window. So then I turned them both the opposite way. But then I still wasn't like close enough to the window. So I I was like bringing them closer and closer and closer until they were literally <laughs> like, you could rest your feet on the windowsill. Right. And I was like, I am aware that this doesn't quote unquote look right, but this is the way I want to use my space. Yes. And I love that because one of your prongs and tell me if I'm saying it wrong, is that a home should function in the way that you use it. And it should serve you. You, It's not like you have a moral obligation to make your home look one way or the other. But when I saw that post and you said, I know that this doesn't look right, but this is how it functions and I'm going to do it this way. And what I thought as an interior designer watching it is, I don't think that one way looks right or the other. I don't think that it looked better for the chairs to be facing the other way. It might've been if it were an Instagram photo and you were taking a photo of the space and you wanted to show off the chairs, then that's what an interior designer would do. But I don't think that there was one way that you're supposed to put chairs. Like I would argue with you that the chairs facing one way or another is not an element of interior design. <laughs> Ooh, that's an interesting comment too, because I feel like so much of the information that I get about interior design are like the quote unquote rules of interior design. Yeah. And I saw that and I thought, oh no, I would put them that way too. It's totally fine and totally correct. It's not throwing away design in order for your home to function. It's just that functionality and design should work together, right? If we're saying shoulds. So (laughs) that's what caught my eye was that was a first spark that made me think, okay, well, what does it mean for a home design to be both functional and beautiful? Well, and I love the idea of like, you deserve beauty, because I feel like for a lot of us, we feel like design and aesthetics and prettiness, like we do so much work unpacking, like, hey, that's not the most important thing, especially when we're doing it from a sense of like, I need to look like I'm put together, I need to look quote unquote, right. And so we sort of put that aside, and then you just go for function. But I also think that there's this other like equally damaging belief that design and beauty, like that I'm not allowed to do that until I get basic functioning down, like until I can clean well and eat well and rest well and exercise, like until like, I just need to stay here in my basic white walls because I can't even get out of bed. You know what I mean? Like I have to get good at functioning before I can move on to like the extra. Exactly. An episode, I have a TV show called The Art of Vintage and an episode of the show was a family that had three sets of twins. (laughs) And they were both going through grad school. They had actually seven kids and they wanted me to come into their bedroom and their house was beautiful and their family was beautiful. And you could tell there was a lot of love in that family, but they were also just kind of drowning underwater for so many years. And finally she said, I felt like we finally kind of started to tread water and now we have room for beauty and I, it really blew my mind to think, oh, you only have room for beauty when you're not drowning. And that thought was something that needs to change. Um, there's always room for beauty. And the title of the episode is actually Beauty is Functional, which is kind of turns everything around on its head because we think of 
you know, a couch is functional because you can sit on it and a table is functional because you can put things on it, but does it have to be beautiful? And I would say, no, it doesn't have to be, but you deserve beauty and beauty is functional. It enhances your life just as much as having a table to eat on enhances your life. It gets to be beautiful. You deserve to have something beautiful in your home. And it's so hard to convince people of this because I think beauty is a loaded term. I think beauty has been overtaken by commercialism. Um, We think of the beauty industry and there's a lot of negative things to the word beauty. And um, we think of beauty as something that's expensive that you buy in the store for your home. We think that it's for the rich or it's for the people who have a nice home or for only people who own homes. If you're in an apartment, how can you, I'm not going to make this beautiful. I don't own it. Or like beauty also for me, it's like beauty is professional. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Beauty is professional. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I would say like, I want this room to be pretty and beautiful. And then I'll like put some things up and I'll be like, it doesn't look right. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look like what I see other people doing and professionals (laughs) doing. And I was like, I don't know how to recreate those looks. But then it's like, I don't even know, like, do I want those looks? And am I kind of in a wrong place of like it having to look a certain way? And I also feel like it's also like this big condemnation on like feeling like a valid adult. Yes. Like there's this real and deeply embedded, I feel like consciousness where it's like, okay, when you have your favorite band poster tacked to your wall with (laughs) thumbtacks, that's like someone who hasn't grown up yet. You know what I mean? And then it's like, when you're grown up, you have accent walls and you have framed art and you have this, that and the other. And (laughs) I felt like I was like, I didn't, I felt all of a sudden I was a grown up and I was like, I don't know how to move to like adult beauty now. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Or maybe it's because our homes are something that we invite somebody into. So whenever someone comes into our home, what we're thinking is, what are they judging about my home and how are they judging me by what my home looks like? And it's the same thing for having a messy home or a clean home. But it's true, people come into your house and they probably are judging you and, and thinking, you know, what? who is this person? Let me look at their home and judge who they are as a person. And that can be so debilitating when we're trying to decorate if we think about it from that perspective. So when you're trying to bring beauty into your home and you're trying to decorate your home, the first step is to not think about what other people do or what other people are going to think about your home. And even like I always say, like there's the invisible audience, like I carry an invisible audience with me, even if no one is physically coming to my house. It's like I have an invisible audience in my head that's giving me those judgments anyways. Yes, yes. Oh, I love that. That's a good phrase for an invisible audience. And maybe we don't even know that we're doing that, but it's happening. And when I, if someone's coming to me and saying, I'm not really a decorator, I don't know how to decorate a home. I don't care about that. I just need to hire you to do it for me. And I say, (laughs) the first step is to ignore everything that you've seen and what you think your home should look like, because beauty isn't something that you buy or design isn't something you buy. And the first step to designing a home is to forget the idea that there's like a right and proper way to design it. Like it's an art, it's not a science. 
So I can give you tips and there are a million tips online of how to create the mood in the home, how to design a bedroom, how to hang curtains and all those things, you know, might be helpful, but we're looking at it from the wrong way because the first idea is that there is no right and proper way to do it. It's about setting the mood for your home in a way that's going to enhance the way that the room and the home works for you. And you can do that through things, right? How do we do that? We do that through things. So there is an element to buying things. But what makes a lifeless thing beautiful? Let's start there. (laughs) Okay, let me pause. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor. And then I want to come back and visit that. Okay. Hey, if you enjoyed my episode on IEPs and you want to listen to more podcast episodes about IEPs, I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. You might have heard me talk about IEPs on my episode, and this latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I checked out these episodes, and I think that they are a great place for you to go after listening to mine. They go into a little more detail and answer a little more in depth about what an IEP is and whether your child needs one. So listen to Understood Explains by searching for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. I've never met a free trial that I didn't like. The problem is, is that I often forget to get out of them before they start charging me. But I don't have that problem since I started using Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, and I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you, up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll even deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash struggle. That's rocketmoney.com slash struggle, rocketmoney.com slash struggle. Okay, so ask that question again. What makes, when you're buying things for your home, they're just things, right? They're lifeless, inanimate things that you buy. But what makes a lifeless, inanimate thing beautiful? I don't even know the answer to that. What I say is what makes a lifeless, inanimate thing beautiful, what makes a decoration beautiful is actually humanity. That lifeless thing becomes beautiful when it points to something that's greater than what it is. When it points to something that's bigger than what it is in its own nature. So let me give you an example. You could have tile that has a printed picture of marble on it, right? And it's not real marble. It's just a print of marble on a tile, right? Or you could have a slab of marble. And what I think that makes a slab of marble more beautiful than a print of marble is that it points to something greater than itself. It points to the fact that there was a rock that was under extreme pressure and the extreme pressure that the rock suffered 
created all these striations and beauty and differences. And it was that pressure that made it more beautiful. And when you have that in your home, it becomes not just a table or a tile, but it becomes like this sense of, it gives this sense of wonder where we look at it and think, is marble a metaphor for life? Like, <laughs> how, how did this stripe get here? Why is this marble more highly figured than this other slab of marble? Is it because of all this pressure it went through? Oh my gosh, how old is this marble? Is this thousands of years old, millions of years old? So that piece of marble, that's just a thing points to something greater than what it is. That marble table points to something greater than the fact that it's a table. It points to the fact that we live on this earth with all of this wonder and that nature is beautiful and that suffering brings beauty. And um, that's what I mean <laughs> when I say that a thing is more beautiful when it transcends what it is as an object and points to something that's bigger than itself. How can I do that with something that's like a more mundane object? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the what I said was that a thing is more beautiful because of its humanity and what makes humans humans and not animals. And I would say more than anything, creativity, right? Our ability to be creative is what makes us human. So if you create your own art, like you just paint a painting, an abstract painting or anything, you put it on the wall, that is more beautiful than a print of art you buy at a store because it points to who you are. It points to your creativity and what you made. We have this huge painting in our dining room that my kids made. And I just gave them random pieces of objects like a stick and a ball. And I gave them a bunch of paint and I just let them throw them out on canvas, right? And it became this big abstract art piece that cost, I don't know, $5 in materials. And it's the focal point of our entire dining room because it's not just a painting I bought at a store. It's a painting that points to something that's greater than itself. And what that is, is my family, the memory that we have creating it, the color choices that I made. And that brings me so much joy to see it, even though it's not a beautiful masterpiece or work of art. And even though it didn't cost any money. And those things also take time. Like, so my mom, I just, my mom is moving down to the city where I live. And one of the things that's really struck me, like, so we're unpacking her things. And my mom has a lot of like decorative items. But as I'm unpacking them, I just keep thinking like, these items are so beautiful. And I'm remembering that like there's certain items of hers that I will like forever associate with like growing up and seeing that item. And then there's other items that maybe are like newer, but you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's her. Like that is something she would like, or this, she bought this on a trip or she wants this. I love that. And I said to her, you know, I sometimes beat myself up over not having what I consider like a completely designed space because I do want like meaningful objects, but like that takes a lifetime to collect. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to just like go to Pier One or Hobby Lobby and like buy the decorative stuff so that there was something on the wall. And I told her, I said, you know, it's making me feel better about my like quote unquote incomplete house because I hope one day when I'm your age, I am surrounded by like a way of decorating that has really deep meaning 
Like, here's this picture that I brought back from Mexico for her. Here's this, like, you know, cup that I made out of clay when I was four years old. And and it was really like kind of a moment of, oh, I feel this pressure to be like done and packaged with a bow right now at my age. Yes. But I also want what you're talking about, which is like things to point to something more than they are. Exactly. And you said it takes time. And that doesn't mean that you won't have a decorated home until you're 70 years old, but it does take some consideration. So it doesn't take money and it doesn't take a designer to make something beautiful. It just takes a little bit of consideration. And I think that sometimes we need to give people permission to take that time to give themselves beauty because it is life enhancing and it is important and it matters. And it matters because you matter if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite things in my house is this vintage lamp that is two Siamese cats. And there's like a little light bulb on the back. And the reason I love it is because it was a gift. First of all, I just like think it's a really cool piece. It feels kind of one of a kind, even though I know it wasn't at one point, but somebody gave it to me for my birthday. And it was really meaningful that they not only like thought of me, but they like went to a thrift store in search of an item that reminded them of me. And I was like, okay, hold up. This is all I ever want for presents anymore. Like I want me and my friends to like go to thrift stores and look until we find something. And it's like, it's always cheaper that way, number one, but also it felt really cool to be like, okay, this is so much more of an accessible gift, but also I love the idea that they like walked around a thrift store until something sort of inspired them, some aspect of me. Exactly. And that's why I always talk about thrifting or antiquing or going to garage sales, because if you go to a showroom in a furniture store, that store is telling you what your should your house should look like. That store is saying, this is what a room should look like. You sh- this couch should go with this chair. This is what's on trend right now. This is how much it costs. And you can't shit on yourself like that. You can't have that idea in your head that it should look like anything. And that's why thrift stores are so great because no one at the thrift store is curating a look for you, right? You are the curator when you go into a thrift store. You are looking at what is around and saying, oh, that really speaks to me. That really speaks to me. And it doesn't go together because the store said that it's in the same line. It doesn't go together because the store said it's in the correct color scheme. And they can't trick you. Yeah, they can't trick you. One of my favorite things that I heard an interior designer that I follow online say is like, when you see something on a shelf, like at Target, and you think, I love that thing, I have to have that thing. She's like, make sure you take that item off of the shelf it's on and go put it on a different shelf and look at it by itself. Yes. Because there's so many times that you're like, you know, when I walk into the Joanna Gaines section of Target, I'm like, I love all of these things. (laughs) Yes. But I've taken, I've like bought something from that section and then taken it home and been like, this is just a wire fruit basket. (laughs) And it's not doing in my home what it was doing in that section because you're right, because they curated the whole space. Exactly. To be designed. And so I kind of felt as though, ooh, this one little item is going to carry all of that impact with it when it gets home, as opposed to sort of being enamored with the item itself. Exactly. And I think that goes back to, well, you're a therapist and I learned in therapy, and I hope this is correct, 
that feelings, your feelings are always valid, but sometimes your thoughts are not, right? So you can say this thought I have is wrong and I'm going to not think this thought anymore, but your feelings are always valid. And when I translate that into home design, I say how a room makes you feel is something that you can make. You can create a room that makes you feel good. If this room doesn't make you feel good, then that's valid and we can change that. But if you have a thought in your head that says, I like this because I'm supposed to like that, maybe question that thought and say, wait, is this really my thought or did I get this thought from somewhere else? Is this somebody else's thought that was put into my head? And I am a designer and I do this every day and I still have things put in my head and I have to question myself and say, wait, do I really like this or do I just see it on Instagram all the time and think that I like it because I saw it a lot? So you always have to question those thoughts like, is this my style or is this somebody else's style that I've seen so often that I think it's a good style, but actually I don't really like it. Yeah. And maybe also I find that like the emotional reaction I have to a style sometimes is more about the context that that style was given to me in, right? So like, if when I see like cottagecore TikToks, it's not just a design you're seeing, like it's very emotional background music. It's some thin (laughs) lady running barefoot through the woods, right? And it's like, it conjures this whole like, wow, if I had that, I would feel peaceful. Yes. And I feel like that's almost like a little bit of a backwards way. Like, you know, I have to, it's the same thing of like taking it off the shelf and looking at it by itself, where it's like, okay, I do want my room to make me feel a certain thing, but it's more helpful for me to start in the room, not start with some like very curated piece of something I saw. Because again, a design in a really well edited TikTok video or a piece, you know, a spoon holder in the curated Joanna Gaines section of Target. Like that's kind of where I get sucked in because I'm like, ooh, this is what I want. I want this feeling. And then I take it home and I'm like, I don't feel this like this stupid spoon holder is not making me feel this way, you know? And so I like how you're doing it the opposite. So it's not like I stumble upon something that is evoking an emotion in me and I'm trying to like copy that emotion there. It's like, okay, here's my living room. Like, what do I want to feel in my living room? Yeah. How do you set the mood? Because beauty, when it comes to home design, is not a thing that you buy, it's a feeling. And we create feelings through beautiful things. And what I said was beautiful things are things that point to something greater than itself. Beautiful things are creative. Beautiful things are heirlooms. Beautiful things remind us of a person. Beautiful things point to something that gives us a sense of wonder. And beautiful things aren't just something that you buy from a curated place. And I can give tips to people of how to set the mood for their home, how to bring in beauty. Yes, I would love some practical tips for that person like sitting in their first apartment going, okay, great guys, like what do I do now? Or maybe that mom that's really stressed out and they're going, I really want a beautiful home, but I don't have time for that. I don't have time. Where do I go from there? Yeah, I would love some tips. Okay, I will give these tips, but with a caveat that the first tip is that forget the idea that there's a right way to do it. And we all always have to start from that perspective. One is 
The biggest tip is that you're going to want to set a mood in that particular room. So start with a room and you want to set a mood that you want that room to be. And let's say you're in, we'll start with a living room, right? What I see with a living room is that that's where we do all of our living. There's usually toys on the floor or shoes on the floor or your books from the floor and you're studying and you think, well, this can't be beautiful because we use it every day. But that doesn't mean that it's a perfect showroom. A beautiful room isn't a perfect showroom. A beautiful room is one that feels comfortable and safe and inspiring. So here's a practical tip that I see a lot of people missing is lighting. It's not something that you buy, but you might have just inadequate lighting in your room. You should have, should, I say should. (laughs) It's helpful to have a light that's on a table. So a task lighting, wherever you sit and read. Of course, every room usually has overhead lighting. And then having little lamps in places to set like conversations, or let's say you read a book in the corner and you have a floor lamp there, or you have sconces over your buffet, or just having lighting in different places and then having the right type of light bulbs in those lights. So in a living room, I would always recommend warm light or what's called soft white light. And that small change makes a huge difference in a room. It doesn't take any time at all. And it really makes the room feel more beautiful because it points. I did that in this house and it really did make a huge difference because I don't like overhead bright lights. And so I started sort of collecting lamps. Like I thrifted some lamps and I, there was like uh, one lamp from target that I got and little lamps and big lamps and floor lamps. And one of the things that I did that was really helpful is that online I found these really, really cheap smart plugs And I plugged all of my lamps into smart plugs so that I can turn them all on and off at the same time with my Alexa. Because at first I was like walking to each lamp every (laughs) single time. And I was like, this is not functional. But no, it's been amazing how much the lighting changes things. And I have the low tech version of that, like the Christmas lights that turn on it. Like they plug into the low tech even cheaper than Alexa. But (laughs) so at like five o'clock every night, the lights will turn on. And in the winter here, it gets dark before then. And then my kids and the whole family are like, oh, the lights are on. Let's go into this room. And you can kind of create almost a theater in your room or a theater in your home or like, oh, this is the set design for after dinner. This is the set that we do in the morning when we play in the playroom upstairs. So yeah, lighting is a big change that's very easy. And then the walls, <laughs> the walls. I, that couple I talked about that had seven kids with three sets of twins and were going through grad school and building a home I walked into their bedroom and there was blank, huge white walls everywhere. And if you have a messy house, the mess doesn't get on the walls. That's the great, that's the greatest thing. So like we have a messy house and I don't, it doesn't bother me to have, you know, things around, but the walls are always the way that I put them. The walls are always the way that I arranged them with the paintings that I love And the kids don't throw it away. I don't need to clean it up every night. I don't need to maintain the walls. It's just set the way that I like it. So, you know, some in one of your podcasts, I heard you say that some people say, well, I just want like one space that isn't ruined, you know, one space in my house, because I don't feel calm unless I have one room that's put together. 
But that's the beauty of having art on the walls that you've put up is that it never changes. Like you always have that and that's yours. That's the way that you arrange the walls and that's always beautiful and no one messes it up. So for me, that's what creates the calm in the chaos of our home is that I have these walls that I can look at (laughs) that are beautiful and I don't have to look down at the floor. I can just look up at the walls. Well, and it's perfect for like, parents too, because like, I'm not at a, my kids are three and five They're I'm not at a place where I can have like a lot of breakable items or like decorative items. Like they're going to get picked up. They're going to get played with, you know, the dog's going to run by your end table, whatever. So let's take a quick break for sponsors. And then we'll come back and keep talking about walls. Cause I have more thoughts on walls. Okay. <laughs> Remember in 2018, when border patrol separated thousands of refugee kids from their parents, deported those parents back to their home countries while keeping the kids in the United States. Well, believe it or not, six years later, there are hundreds of families who have still not been reunited. Although we as a community may feel hopeless at times, I recently learned about an organization called Al Otro Lado, which works to reunify families. They provide holistic legal and humanitarian support to refugees, deportees, and other migrants in the U.S. and Tijuana through a multidisciplinary, client-centered, harm-reduction-based practice. Since 2018, they've reunified over 100 refugee families ripped apart by Trump's zero-tolerance policy. Once reunited, Al Otro Lado helps each family find legal representation, housing, and the counseling that they need in order to heal and get on their feet. You can find the link to donate to El Ultra Lotto in the description of this episode or go to gum.fm slash charity and donate today. You can also consider volunteering with the organization, which offers opportunities that are both in-person and virtual. The best way to get involved is by filling out an application on their website, alotrolado.org slash volunteer. That's A-L-O-T-R-O-L-A-D-O. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell?, laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever 
you listen to your podcasts. So the other thing I think is really cool about focusing on your walls is that I think that it's a lot more affordable to get meaningful art than it is to get meaningful like decorative items. Because like I've seen the TikToks where people, you know, they go to the thrift store and buy the $4 painting and then pop out the painting and they have this like incredible frame, right? And then they get common what is it like unlicensed art from the download from the, and then they go to FedEx or Kinko's and they blow it up big. And it's like, that's cool. Yes. And that's, it's also like when you say art, you might think that's expensive, but it doesn't have to be, it can just be creative. Like what you said. And I think that we can go back to what is beautiful art and it doesn't mean expensive art. It doesn't even have to be a painting. It could be a beautiful quilt that, somebody made that you love and you hang the quilt on the wall. It could be a mural that you painted, just a really simple mural, or it could be your kids art in a beautiful frame. It could be a lot of things, but I want to have the caveat there that it's not about filling space on your walls with prints of things that don't mean anything to you. Like all it takes is a little bit of consideration of, Hey, what painting really made me think like maybe you studied a painting in school or maybe there's a painting that really spoke to you or it created some sense of wonder in you and it's just a print off the internet but you put it in a beautiful frame and that's going to mean a lot more to you than like a print that says you know live laugh love or whatever and it's filling space on the wall and like pictures i started really focusing on getting like nice pictures made. Like the two apps that I use the most is um, I've used mixed tiles where you can get like, you know, several different ones. And when you get them for anyone who's not familiar, they're not like, there's not glass. It's almost like printed on a plastic and then the little plastic frame. So they're really lightweight and you can move them around. But I was able to get like nine little pictures for like a hundred bucks and they it takes up like a huge portion of my wall. And then I also use an app called Keepsake which is a little more expensive, but they do like professional framing because a part of this is also like, okay, if I'm already overwhelmed, like the idea that I'm going to like take a picture, like print it somewhere and then go buy a frame or then like go get it framed. And it's really nice with the keepsake. I'm not sponsored by keepsake at all, but it's like, I literally just like (laughs) pick the frame and the mat and then like it comes in the mail. And so even just like once a year, I try to get like an updated family photo. That's nice like that. I love that. And if you don't have money for that, there's shop, you know, Goodwill has a website. You can go to shopgoodwill.com and all I bought the most beautiful canvas paintings that were just enrolled up canvas, original art for $5 and 99 cents. So it was three rolled up, beautiful, original works of art. And I just thumbtacked them to the wall. I didn't spend the money to frame. I just thumbtacked them to the wall and they make me so happy because it's like, I sit there and look at these paintings and I wonder who painted them, where they came from. Like there's the stroke of the human who made them on there. And it was cheap, easy, and really made or added to that sense of wonder that I'm always trying to create in my house, that creativity and sense of wonder that objects can bring to your home. I have two pictures in my home that I really love. One is when we moved into this house. So the last house we lived in was like the first home we had ever bought. Like my daughter was brought home from the hospital there. It was the longest place we'd really ever lived. And when we went to closing on this house, our realtor like brought us a closing gift. 
And what he had done was he had taken a picture of the front of our house that we were moving out of and had someone on Etsy like watercolor it. And then he framed it and gave it to us and had the address on it. And I literally was like crying in the closing because I was like, this is the most (laughs) thoughtful thing. And like, we are going to look back at this house for the rest of our lives as like the first home that we ever had. And, and then, and that gave me the idea recently, we had to put one of our like beloved cats down. She had cancer and this was actually my husband's cat. He had her before we ever met at a time in his life that was really difficult. He like went and got this cat and like, you know, now we've had her over 10 years. So I did the same thing. Like that gave me the idea. I took a picture of her and I found someone on Etsy that does like custom animal portraits. And like for 50 bucks, he sent me this like watercolor painting of her and it looks exactly like her. And so now she like hangs on our wall (laughs) and it was like such an important thing for my grief, especially because something about it hits different than just like a photo of her. Right. And it's just like kind of like her head and her face. And now she's like framed up on the wall and it's almost like she's like kind of looking over us or she's like still there. And so there's like these small things, but that's been like another thing where it's like, okay, when I find like an art piece that I like, I try to get it. And then I try to occasionally make photos, but then that's like a little third category I've found of like, (laughs) okay, this is like beautiful and reminds me of things, but also is like, I can do a little extra step to make it really interesting and point to that like bigger thing. I think that's what I was talking about when I say that something is more beautiful when it points to something greater than itself. So there's a picture, right, of a person, and then there's a painting of a picture of a person. And that doesn't just point to that person, but that points to how much somebody loved you to order that painting for you. It it points to the artist who created that with their loving hands, you know, and all those different layers of humanity in an inanimate objects makes it more beautiful. And it's always hard, just like the word beauty is hard. It's always hard to explain to people that some things are more beautiful than other things, because we kind of get this ickiness feeling when we say that, like, don't tell me what's beautiful. Don't say, don't, there's no objective beauty. It's all subjective. And I don't mean it in a way that's putting down something that you think is beautiful. I say some things can be objectively beautiful or more beautiful, and I can explain why. The reason why is because it points to something that's greater than itself. And if we just take that small step to think about why something's beautiful, then we can create more beauty in our home. And that's what it's all about, is just creating more beauty for ourselves as a gift to ourselves. Just like care tasks are a gift to ourselves creating beauty and just taking the time to consider what is beautiful is a gift to ourselves. So let me ask you this. I'm going to give you an example and maybe you could kind of walk me through the process of what I should be asking myself. So one of the rooms in our house that has not been done anything with is the study. So there's like this little study and then my husband was really excited about it because he's never like had a real in-home office and we haven't done anything with it yet. But like, what would I ask myself or where would I even start? Because I have no like designer knowledge about like what to do in this room or like what pieces to get. But like, where would I begin if I wanted to decorate that room or design that room? Well, what I would first ask you is how do you use the room or how does your husband use the room? Just a desk. Like he uses it to work basically. 
and he doesn't really have anything. And the only like functional important thing is like his computer. Okay. That's like the functional, how he uses it. And what is the light situation? Do you have windows? Mm -hmm. There's a really big window with like shutters on it that open. And then there's overhead lighting. And there's overhead lighting. Okay. So we're going to set the mood for how you use a room. And he uses the room for working. I'm doing this with my husband's in-home office right now too, which is definitely a work in progress. But (laughs) for my husband, he loves to work in rooms that have tons of light. He needs lots of light. Otherwise he gets sleepy. So the first office we did was moody because I was thinking about Zoom backgrounds and what a lawyer would have in a Zoom background. And I did it like I just did what I say not to do is I thought, what should I design this room to look like in a Zoom background to make him look like an important lawyer? And that was the wrong way of doing it. And we painted the walls dark green and had velvet and books and wood. And he hated it because it was dark. Um, So now we moved to a different room and we're saying, okay, let's not think about what the Zoom background should be. Let's think about what you want in this space. So the functionality has to be one of the first questions. Yes, yes. The functionality and not what you think it should look like, which I did wrong, right? (laughs) So he likes lots of light and I hate white walls. I think that is, it just doesn't inspire me. But he loves light, bright things. It has a lot of light. So we painted the walls white. And then right now, when we first did it, he just had what you have. So it's just a desk and a computer and it echoes. And I'm wondering if your study echoes when he's in there, if it doesn't have any other furniture. I don't know. I I guess I've never (laughs) looked. I do know that like functionally, you know, all he needs is to be able to do it a computer. He has like mentioned that he would love to have like sort of like a big old school desk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like something you would see like, you know, a president signing something on or something. You know what I mean? Like just a big kind of stately desk. And he says he loves to be surrounded by books. Those are really only his like two preferences beyond the functionality. Well, that's great. That's easy to do. It seems like he knows what to do. So I would say build some shelves. And let's say you get and I would kind of push back on the big stately desk and ask him why he wants the big stately desk. Does he want the big stately desk because he thinks that that's what you're supposed to have when you're an adult and you have an office, you're supposed to have a big desk? Or does he need a desk that has a bunch of drawers and is um, small so it doesn't get cluttered very easily? Or does he like to have a big desk because he likes to spread out and work in a bunch of clutter and have books stacked on there? So first I'd push back on that and say, do you really want a stately desk or should we have like a desk in the corner that's small that doesn't get cluttered and then another table that's, you know, something else. So I push back a little bit on what people say that they want just to make sure that it's their own idea and not an idea that they came up with because of what other people think. And then same with the books. Does he want, does he use books or does he just want the look of books or the look of books? Yeah, like we have all of our books that like we've read, but he like famously never wants to get rid of books. So it's not that they're like they're all he's read them all, but he's not using like reference books, right, where he's needing to like get them off the shelves. And then the other thing is that, you know, so that was my first thought is like, oh, let's do like bookshelves. But then I get into these places where I don't know how to like work around certain features. So, for example, in this room there's wood paneling on the bottom half of the rooms. And then the ceiling is this, I forget what it's called, where it's like 
a lot of different shapes. Does that make sense? It's like all of the, like it's wood. A coffered ceiling? Yes, a coffered ceiling. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, he wants books. So I thought bookshelf, but then like, you can't really like put the bookshelf because like, there's not like a way for it to go up to the coffered ceiling without, it can't go to, to the ceiling and it'll stick out a little from the wall over this paneling. And so that's always where I kind of freeze. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how to give him like the look or the mood he wants with these like restrictions. Got it. Got it. Well, and I think just the way that you said it kind of points to the problem because you're saying, how do we get it to go to the ceiling when it's a coffered ceiling? And then I'd say, why does it have to go to the ceiling? You know, why can't it sit a little bit out from the wall? Why does it have to be a bookshelf? Why can't it be maybe around the, so you have paneling or wainscoting. Is that what you're saying? So why don't you just put one shelf on the top of the wainscoting all the way around? And instead of a bookshelf, it's just a shelf that's on top of the wainscoting that goes all the way around the room. So it still holds all the books, but it's not up and down like what you'd see in a library. It's some strip of books that go all the way around the wainscoting. So a creative idea to that would be what I would say to that. (laughs) And then like, if so if I didn't have access to you to be like, solve this, yeah, what would I do? Like, would I go to Google and like, where would be good places to like, look around for like, if I got to a place where it's like, okay, this is the mood I want. These are kind of like what I'm working with, the restrict, whether it's like room restrictions or budget restrictions. And then you're saying like, the next step is get creative. So like, if I'm just a person who like, where do I go to get inspiration on how to get creative? Like, do you have any kind of go-tos? Well, first I would say that, okay, so you're saying no one, like you don't have me there to help you. And we're thinking about somebody who's just in their home trying to design around a problem. So the first rule would be think outside the box and don't think that there's one way that you should do it. And then once you think outside the box and think, hey, this might work, then I usually go to Pinterest and I'll just type in something and scroll through and maybe some sort of inspiration might hit me. But really, the hard answer is that you have to try and fail a couple times. If you don't have a designer who's helping you or you really have a problem, the best way to do it on your own is trial and error. And that's how you learn. You know, try something. If you don't like it, trust your gut, try something else. If you don't like it, trust your gut, try something else and know that it's not going to be done in a day. And that's, that's the hard answer, but it's also, it's also kind of the fun answer though, like not to get discouraged the first time because. Yeah. And think of it, you know, like I said, it's an art, it's not a science. So, I mean, I I hate saying go look on Pinterest for inspiration. I think you have to be in a good place before you go looking for inspiration on the internet for something. And I think that you are the best inspiration So really trial and error is the best inspiration. And to think that it's fun, it's like creating a painting. You might make a bad stroke and you got to paint over it. And that in itself is a gift to you. So it's almost like the process of creating beauty is just as important as what it should look like in the end. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's actually really helpful because that gives me sort of like an order of things to think on. I think that's like really helpful, practical advice. Yeah. Maybe just start. 
is the best advice for anybody who's feeling like they don't deserve beauty, they don't know how to get beauty, and they're looking around and not seeing beauty, just start. And that's why thrifting is good too, because you it only costs you $4, so you can try something else. But you know, it's more about keeping the principles in mind than here, let me tell you your to-do list of what to do in a room, because it's not going to be the same for everybody. It's not going to be the same for every room. But that principle of not thinking what it should look like, of trial and error, thinking outside the box, being creative, and then thinking about, is this beautiful because it makes me feel a certain way? And if it's not, you don't need to have it in your home. And like, is the beauty because like, if I was in a room alone looking at it, like, do I find it beautiful as opposed to like, is it beautiful? Because in my mind, the imaginary audience in my head would say that that looks right. Yes. And that makes me feel good. Like that does make me feel some type of way, but (laughs) yes. And I feel, I don't know if that's even helpful. And I feel like I wrote down a list before we did this podcast of tips. I want to tell people tips and people always ask me tips. And I feel like there's lots of tips on the internet for, you know, hang curtains, lighting, a rug, here's where to find them. And those can be useful, but really the most important thing is just starting in the right place and having the right idea before you start that it should come from within you and not from outside of you and knowing what is beautiful and what is commercially beautiful. So what is beautiful because of what it is and what is commercially beautiful? I will say that that's been my like formula for my rooms here is like, okay, I know that if I can get curtains, a rug, lighting and things on the wall that like, I have like a baseline room that makes me really comfy. You know what I mean? And then I work on like, what kind of curtains or what kind of rug or what do I want on the walls? But I know that at the end of the day, like if I could just do those, was that four things I listed? Curtains, rug. Yeah. Yeah. Light walls, rug, curtains. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I could just do those four things in the types of things that I really like. And I even have some rooms where I was like, clearly this doesn't all go together, but each piece individually makes me happy. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's kind of my little like hack for like, if I could just do those four things, then like this will feel like a room. And I would add to those four things, something of meaning, Um, something here. This is what I would add to those four things, because maybe someone is like that family I mentioned who just had blank walls and basically a cot bed, no nightstands and like a holy blanket, like a one quilt on their bed. And that's all they had in the room. What I would add to your list is something that's beautiful just for the sake of being beautiful and no other purpose whatsoever. So something that reminds them of something they love, an heirloom piece, a painting, a statue, and at least one thing in every room that you think is beautiful. And it's not beautiful and functions, but beautiful because or is something that is just beautiful, like just beautiful for the sake of being beautiful. That's its function. Yeah. And it's functional because it's beautiful. It's not also functional and beautiful. And I think you need at least one of those in every room. I love that. I'm going to literally take that. And there's like one room I can think of in my house. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to do those five things. And I'm going to see what it looks like. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I hope that's helpful. And you know, it's a long process. My bedroom right now has no art on the walls. We just moved in a year and a half ago. It has no art on the walls. It's just one bed. It's just the blanket that we moved in. There's no rug. There's nothing, you know, and that's my job. And it's okay. It's just not where we're at right now. We have a lot of other things to do and that's okay. But I want to give people permission to give beauty to themselves, to create a beautiful home in a way that's easy and simple. Well, that's really helpful. Where can people find you if they want to follow you, see you, learn from you? I'm on Instagram at Katie Sorrow. I have a website you can find on there. And I do have two seasons of a TV show called The Art of Vintage. It's on Magnolia Network and Discovery Plus. That's awesome. I'm going to go check those out. Yeah. I don't know if I said anything helpful, but... <laughs> you did. You helped me. Listen, I'm, I'm inspired on how to go fix these rooms now. <laughs> I really appreciate you reaching out. And I appreciate the conversation that we've had because I think that 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 is like one of the breakthroughs that I think has been most helpful to me. Even as my mom's been unpacked, it's been interesting. Like when I unpack my house... I have this like order that I feel like I have to go in where it's like, I have to get everything out of the box. Then I have to get everything put away. Then I can do the decorative stuff. And my mom, she like got half of the stuff out of boxes and then started hanging pictures. And there was this part of me that was like, "Uh, uh, that's the wrong order. (laughs) But then she said, she was like, I just need something beautiful on the walls so that I can feel like we're getting closer to home. I love your mom. (laughs) I know. I was like, this is such a metaphor for life even. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yes, I still, you know, this still needs to be functional and I still, you know, need to meet my basic needs and I need to survive. But like, she kind of looked at it at this holistic, like it's just as important that I am allowing myself to see beauty and do something enjoyable as it is to, you know, find out where all of these little votives are going to go and like what drawers are going to hold the silverware and things like that. So I just, that was kind of my little. Who needs a place, who needs a place to sit when you have beautiful art on the walls? That couple that I designed their living room or designed their bedroom that was empty and that said that they had been drowning for so many years. The first thing that I bought was a giant ostrich that was a wooden ostrich that was painted multicolors. It was like life size. And that's the first thing I bought for the room. And that's what inspired the whole room. And I didn't really do a whole lot else. I just bought this giant ostrich and put it on the wall And it served no, I didn't turn it into a table. I didn't turn it into a chair. I just put it on the wall because I thought that that would inspire the rest of their house to say, okay, what is the ostrich that this room needs? Like, what is the ostrich of this room? You know, what is the humor that I can bring into this room? What's the art for art's sake that I can bring into this room? That's awesome. Because beauty first, maybe that should be your theme. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for talking to me. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. 
Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. 